Good morning, friends. Uh, Today's message is Becoming a Person of Hope. It's based on Romans 5, verses 2 through 5. We're in week two of three little words, looking at three words which, as it turns out, aren't so little after all, faith, hope, and love. Today we'll be looking at hope, which may be the most misunderstood of the three. That's because the way we use the word hope in our vernacular is not the same as the way the word hope is used in the Bible. We often use the word to describe wishful thinking, such as when we've planned a picnic, but we look outside and the sky is black with clouds, and we say, oh, I hope it doesn't rain today. We know good and well it's about to rain. Or when you go to a restaurant on a Friday night and the parking lot is packed with cars and there's a line stretching out the front door into the street, and you say, boy, I hope we don't have to wait for a table. Now, that's wishful thinking founded in futility. For this reason, Morgan Freeman's character in Shawshank Redemption sees hope as a negative thing. If you've ever seen the movie, you probably remember the quote. He says, let me tell you something, my friend. Hope is a dangerous thing. Hope can drive a man insane. It's got no use on the inside. You better get used to that idea. Well, he's talking about wishful thinking founded in futility, but when the Bible talks about hope, It's talking about something completely different. It's not talking about wishful thinking. It's talking about calculated optimism. It's talking about the idea that you've got some insider information that the rest of the world may not be privy to, and for this reason you can see beyond your current circumstances, and you have reason to expect the best. For example, you plan that picnic and the sky has turned black, but you look at the Uh, National Weather Bureau, and with your advanced degree in meteorology and your access to high-powered satellite technology, you have insider information that tells you that, in this case, the clouds are just clouds, and almost certainly they'll soon roll away. So when you say, I have hope that it will not rain, that's optimism based on insider information. Or when you enter the crowded restaurant with a line stretching out into the street, but it just so happens that the maitre d' is your best friend, And he's promised that whenever you arrive, you'll get the first available table. That significantly changes the meaning of the phrase, I hope we don't have to wait too long. You have good reason to be optimistic. You have insider information. Or imagine that you somehow came across a secret memo from the National Football League brass stating that the Lions, the Vikings, and the Packers have decided to drop out of the league this year. In that case, saying, I hope the Bears make the playoff doesn't sound quite so futile, seeing that they're now the only team in their division. So when I talk about hope, I'm not talking about wishful thinking founded in futility. I'm talking about calculated optimism based on insider information that in spite of what the current trends may seem to indicate, you know a few things that can shed a whole new light on your situation. This is an important topic because I know that many people today are teetering on the edge of uh, wishful thinking. Your circumstances seem dire, your situation seems out of control, and your outlook doesn't seem to hold much promise, and you find yourself all too often saying, what's the use? Why bother? Why should I keep trying? Why shouldn't I just toss in the towel? Well, if you feel this way, if you've ever felt this way, then you need to embrace, and I mean fully embrace, the biblical concept of hope. Not that kind of wishful thinking that sounds like life is a Disney movie and everything magically turns up sunshine and roses, but the kind of calculated optimism that sees you through every storm, 
based on the word of God and the power of God and the goodness of God. So today I want to talk to you about becoming a person of hope. Now, a couple of weeks ago I mentioned how the words faith, hope, and love are often clustered together in the same text. Today we'll look at one such text. It's found in Romans chapter 5 where Paul mentions faith and love, but he's talking primarily about hope. The text reads as follows. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also rejoice in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance character, and character hope. And hope does not disappoint us because God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit, whom he has given us. Today's message is titled simply Becoming a Person of Hope because I want us to get past the idea that hope is something you're just lucky enough to feel at certain times and that feeling is enough to get you through. But friends, i got to tell you, hope is not a feeling. It's more like a calculated decision, a deliberate decision demonstrated by deliberate actions. Another way to say it is that hope is a choice you make. Well, a couple of weeks ago we talked about three choices you need to make in order to develop your faith. So this week let's look at three choices necessary to develop and become a person of hope. <clears throat> Here's choice number one. Dare to rejoice. Like hope, rejoice is not a feeling word. It's an action word, a choice you make. The Bible never commands us to feel a certain way, but it does often command us to act a certain way or do certain things, such as rejoice. In Philippians chapter 3 and in chapter 4, it says, Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Did you get that? That's a command because it's a choice. And so here in Romans 5, 2, Paul says, And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. That means we will choose to take joy now because we know that ultimately God will cause all things to work together for good. And even though we may not see it yet, we can make the calculated or deliberate decision to be joyful today about what God will bring our way further down the road. For example, we can rejoice, as Jesus said, that our names are written in the book of heaven. That's in Luke 10.20. And that we'll spend eternity in the presence of God. For most of us, heaven will be years away or maybe even decades away, but we can rejoice today because we know that a bright and blessed future awaits us in eternity. Also, as we go through trials and tribulations today, we can rejoice in knowing that God has promised to see us through no matter what happens. So Paul says that we can choose to rejoice now for the victory we'll experience in the future because he knows that victory will ultimately be ours and God will ultimately bring it about. But then Paul takes this choice to rejoice a step further. He says not only are we able to rejoice in the promises that are certainly coming our way further down the line, but we can also make the choice to rejoice in the middle of what's happening now. So verse 3 says not only so, but we also rejoice in our sufferings because... Now, I'm going to finish reading that verse in a second, but first I want to say that this is our insider information on any problems we face. <clears throat> the Bible never says that God sends your way all the tests and trials and temptations you face. God is not the author of your suffering, but here's the insider information that will help you see your problems in a different light. God can take whatever suffering comes your way and make something good come out of it. Just like Nehemiah said, our God, however, turned the curse into a blessing. 
See, God has the power to turn something painful into something beautiful. So for this reason, Paul says in Romans, here in these verses 3 through 5, we also rejoice in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not disappoint us. Now, Paul is saying that when anything is happening in your life that you don't like, anything that brings pain your way, great or small, you can dare to rejoice in that knowing that because of your relationship with Jesus, the only thing this problem could do to you is strengthen your resolve, strengthen your character, and strengthen your outlook on life. If you choose to look at your problems this way through the biblical eyes of hope, then you can dare to rejoice even in the midst of all because you know that this moment of suffering is ultimately nothing more than a servant that can only help you become stronger. Hope says, I know this isn't happening to me. It's happening for me. This problem is helping me to produce the qualities I most want in my life. Becoming a person of hope means we dare to rejoice, even when, we, when there seems to be little to rejoice about. And that's the first choice. Here's choice number two, dare to endure. Paul told the people of the church in Thessalonica that he thanked God for their endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. Now there's a connection between endurance and hope. Paul says that perseverance or endurance leads to character and character leads to hope. Say it again, hope is not a feeling, it's an action. One of the ways that we act out hope is that we stick with it, even when we don't feel like sticking with it. Hope says, I may not be seeing what I want to see right now, and I may not be feeling what I want to feel right now, but there's something inside me deeper than what I see and what I feel, and it pushes me to persevere. And friends, that's hope. Hope understands that what's happening in your life right now is just one scene in the overall story of your life. It's just one little plot twist for you to resolve on your journey to your happily ever after with him. You see, hope is all about endurance. A couple of weeks ago I talked about faith and how Jesus said you can speak to the mountain, be removed and be thrown into the sea and the mountain will move. Now I've seen too many mountains move to not believe that his words are true and I've also noticed this, there is often a gap and sometimes an extended gap between the time you speak to the mountain and the time that it sinks into the sea. Miracles don't always take place at the snap of your fingers for the simple reason that many times it takes a while for our thoughts, words, and actions to connect with our faith in God's word. For a mountain to move, we must have an activated faith. So there's often a gap between speaking and the moving, but it's hope that gets you through that gap. You could say that faith is the final destination and hope is the journey that gets you there. Hope is endurance. It's not a result of what you see or what you feel. It's a result of choice that you dare to make and an action you dare to take. I'll keep on keeping on. Hope understands that as Paul said in 1 Corinthians 13, we see through a glass darkly. We don't always know how the story will end, but hope keeps us in the story. In Daniel, there's an episode about three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who were about to be thrown into a fiery furnace and put to death because they would not bow down and worship the king. 
as everyone in the land has been commanded to do. These three men refused to compromise, and when their lives were on the line, they said in Daniel chapter 3, verses 17 and 18, If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to save us from it, and he will rescue us from your hand. But even if he does not, we want you to know, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. I don't know about you, friends, but that's a living example of hope. We don't know how this story will end, but win or lose, live or die, we're all in, the, we're in this all the way to the end. We will not turn away from the God we serve. For me, the most significant part of the story has always been that single phrase, but even if he does not. God is able to say us, save us, they were saying, but even if he does not, we will not bend. Hope is daring to endure, refusing to jump ship, even when you don't know how the story will end. Here's choice three. Dare to be a bull among the bears. Now, do you know the difference between a bull market and a bear market? A bull market is when the market is on upswing and stock prices are rising and people are generally optimistic and they're buying, buying, and buying. A bear market is when the market is on the downswing and prices are dropping and people begin to panic and sell, 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 even if they have to sell at a loss. And, of course, this panic selling tends to drive prices even further down. But what do the best investors do? When the market is bullish and prices are inflated, they tend to be cautious. But when the market is bearish and prices are plummeting, the smart investors go bargain hunting. They're not selling, they're buying because they understand the ebb and flow of market prices. Their eyes aren't focused merely on the moment they're able to see around the bend, and for this reason they don't panic easily. Spiritually, we need to be able to do the same thing. It is hope that makes this happen. We don't always know how the story will end, but because we have hope, we not only stay in the game until the very end, we stay engaged until the very end. You no doubt have probably seen a team give up in the middle of a blowout. But friends, hope never allows you to do that. Hope means that you keep trying, you keep fighting, you keep pursuing your options, and you keep seeking out possibilities. Why? It's because you know you never know how things might turn out. You never know what good thing might come your way. When you're tempted to think of your life or marriage or financial situation or your health or your job or your relationship with God as one never-ending bear market, forever in decline, hope dares you to be bullish. Hope dares you to look up. Hope dares you to keep trying. Hope dares you to stay engaged. When you're going through the worst days of your life, hope is not about waiting it out. Hope is all about fighting it out. Hope says at every downturn, I will not panic just because something unwanted or unexpected has come into my life. Instead, I'll keep my eyes open and my heart's receptive and my mind engaged as I bulldoze my way to the other side of this situation. That's why Paul said in verse 5, Hope does not disappoint. It's because our hope is not in ourselves, but our hope is in the God who gave his Son up for us so that all through him we might become more than conquerors. To be more than the conqueror means that you stay in the fight as long as it takes. You don't panic, you don't run, you don't quit, you don't check out emotionally or just resign yourself to gutting it out. You keep swinging, you keep plugging away. 
When Paul wrote his last letter, that's Second Timothy, from a prison cell to Rome, he knew that more than likely the end was near. And so he wrote in his final farewell to young Timothy, I am already being poured out like a drink offering, and the time for my departure is near. I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness. Now those are beautiful words and inspiring as well, but do you know what? I really like what Paul said next. After saying his fond farewells, he asked Timothy to come and visit him, and to bring a man named Mark with him, and to bring some books and parchments, and parchments probably mean blank paper, because just in case these weren't his final days, he still had some plans to pursue. That's hope. You keep making plans. You keep moving forward. You can be sure when your time is up, God will let you know. But until then, make plans and keep moving forward. Even when the market is bearish, hope gives you the courage to be a bull. One thing we can be sure of is that we will all go through pain and sorrow, trial and tribulation, and seasons of suffering throughout throughout this life. Being religious is no exemption. As Jesus said in Matthew 5.45, the rain falls both on the just and the unjust. Some people's strategy for dealing with life storms is to wishfully think, maybe this won't happen to me. But friends, it does happen. It happens to all of us. Some people think, maybe if I ignore this problem, it will go away. But it doesn't go away. And then they think, well, maybe I can wish it away. But you can't wish it away either. Outlasting your problems and overcoming your problems has nothing to do at all with wishful thinking. It has everything to do with your calculated choices you make. You dare to rejoice even when you don't feel like rejoicing. You dare to endure even when it's easier to quit. You dare to be a bull among bears. You dare to keep fighting for God's best in your life even when you don't know what the final outcome might be. The rest of the world might look at your life and say, the verdict is in, you lose, it's over, you'll never get out of this situation, you might as well give up. Others may be saying it about you, and you may even be saying it to yourself. But friends, I want you to know that today's verdict isn't the final verdict. Hope empowers you to live with the expectation that the verdict of tomorrow will reverse the verdict of today. Today's verdict is based on circumstantial evidence. But we don't build our hope on circumstantial evidence. Our hope is based on insider information. That means that regardless of how things may appear on the surface, God is at work in your life behind the scenes to make all things come together for good. This means that the verdict of tomorrow will reverse the verdict of today. For this reason, we never despair, we never give in, and we never give up. That's building a life of hope. Until next time, see the vision, live the mission, and feel the passion.